Welcome to Following the Way. We're a podcast that's all about following Jesus and learning his way for our lives. We believe that scripture reveals this way and invites us to follow. We're glad you're with us as we seek together. Welcome to Good Friday, day five of our Holy Week devotional. And I trust that this has been a great blessing to you and an encouragement to you. I know that as we've walked through the pages of scripture, following Jesus through this week and the events that he experienced and suffered through that it has really brought a new depth for me to this week and that there's something different this year about coming into this day, Good Friday, and onto the glorious hope of the resurrection, which is our hope and the hope that we live in and the hope that we look to for our lives. And I trust that it's been the same for you. Before we get into the reading of today's scripture, I want to just talk a little bit uh, for, about Good Friday and why it's called Good Friday. It's also called Holy Friday. We sometimes think that it's called good because ultimately what transpired out of today was so good for us. And that's true. But good also, uh, it originates um, because the meaning of the word good, there used to be uh, the meaning holy associated with the word more than we associate it with it now, and, and we don't use it in that way anymore. Um, as in, people used to call the Bible the good book, which they meant the holy book when they said that. It's the day of the passion of Christ, the passion of our Lord, the day that encompasses his arrest, his trial, and ultimately his crucifixion. And before we journey and we move into the hope of the resurrection this weekend, which is always such a wonderful time for us as followers of Christ. It's good for us to spend time contemplating and experiencing the reality of this day, of what took place on Good Friday, what Jesus suffered, and why he gave himself to this for us. In John 16, just before he was going to walk through this day, he spoke with his disciples about this at length, and he talked about sorrow and the sorrow that they would face. In fact, uh, a number of times in that chapter, he talks about the sorrow that they are going to have to walk through and that it's going to be difficult. And he was experiencing that in himself, and he didn't want to leave his disciples alone. And he told them, he says, you will experience great times of sorrow, but you will see me again. And he said, in that day, you will rejoice. You will have joy. And he talked about our joy being full. And it's such a comfort and an encouragement that whatever we're walking through in life, whatever trials, whatever things that we're going to face, the reality is there is always joy on the other side. There's always fullness of joy in Christ. Always. There's never a doubt of that because of the fact and the truth of the resurrection and what it means for us. But before we, we get into that, we, we want to spend some time contemplating what this day was for Jesus and what it is for us as well. John 19, I'm going to start in verse 1. It says, Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews! and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no guilt in him. 
So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat to a, at a place called the Stone Pavement, and in, in Aramaic, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. Jesus had been brought before the Jewish leaders and then brought to Pilate after that, the Roman governor of the area. And the Jews were asking him to sentence Jesus to death. And initially, Pilate actually wanted to release Jesus, having found no ground for the charges being brought against him. But the Jewish leaders, they kept insisting on his crucifixion. And so we get to to this point in the story then as as he as Pilate has him and is contemplating what to do with Jesus. And so he flogged him, hoping that that would satisfy the crowd. And he says, I, I find no guilt in him. He he didn't want to crucify him. But the leaders kept pressing. See, the, the Romans wouldn't allow the Jews to execute anyone without their consent. The, the Romans had to be the ones who would ultimately see it through. And it seems likely here that the leaders were specifically pressing Pilate and the Romans for crucifixion because that would, that would mean that there's a curse on Jesus. According to Deuteronomy 21 in the Old Testament, it would signify that this man has been cursed. And but they needed the approval of Pilate in order to have him crucified. In fact, the irony of all this and the tragic irony for the Jewish leaders is that Jesus actually did in fact bear that curse 
for us. It says that in Galatians 3.13, that his death, his crucifixion redeemed us from the curse of the law, the judgment of the law that remained on us by becoming the curse himself. And Pilate, he wanted to wash his hands of all this. He, he didn't want any, any part of this. He said, you, you crucify him. But they couldn't. It was the Romans who, who did that. And so we see in verse 7 that the Jewish leaders kept pressing him. And they told Pilate, they said, well, this, this man has claimed to be the son of God. That was in fact true. It was true that Jesus had actually claimed that because he was. And that's the tragedy for the Jewish leaders at the time is that they didn't actually see who he was. And it says that upon hearing that, Pilate was afraid. See, Jesus' initial conversation with Pilate had really struck him. Jesus had said at that point, he says, he had told him, he said, my, my kingdom is not of this world. He says, he was basically saying, yeah, I am a king, but not, not in the way that you think I'm a king. And then he said to Pilate, he says, for this purpose, I was born. And for this purpose, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. And that also really stuck with Pilate. In fact, he had said to Jesus, and, and, and you wonder how he had said it. You know, you wish you could see his face, but what is truth? Pilate, Pilate was was searching because he didn't have that anchor. But at that point, maybe he didn't really realize that Jesus had claimed to be the Son of God. And when he heard that, he began to, to piece together what he had been heard. And it, and it was it was fearful for Pilate. He began to realize the implications possibly of what he was who he was dealing with. And so he came to Jesus and he, he asked him, where are you from? And Jesus gave him no answer, which to give no answer to a Roman governor, you're standing before him and his fate is in your hands. To not give him an answer was, was basically just asking for death. And Pilate says as much to him, he says, you, you won't speak to me? Like, do you, do you know who I am? Do you understand that I can give you life? Or I can give you crucifixion. And he's basically saying to Jesus, I, I have that authority. That's been given to me. How, and, and it's like Pilate is wondering, how are you not intimidated by me? And Jesus says to him, he responds, he says, any authority that you have has only been given to you from above. You, you ultimately, whatever authority you have, and you have authority, but whatever you have has is, is been given to you by my father. And it recalls for us when Jesus was initially arrested in the garden of Gethsemane and Peter couldn't stand what was happening and he drew his sword and he, he hacked off the ear of the, the servant of the high priest. And in that moment, Jesus, in an act of mercy, he, he actually miraculously heals the, the guy's ear, puts it back on his head. And he, he says to Peter, he says, Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? See, Jesus understood throughout this whole process that whatever was happening to him, the Jewish leaders, and they were bent on his death, and Pilate and the authority that he wielded in the human realm, and, and, and all the, the reaction of Peter, Jesus understood through it all 
No, it's the Father. The Father is the one who is in control of all this. And I'm submitted to the will of my Father. See, in Pilate's thinking, Rome had the power, but actually God had all the power. All power that was granted to Rome was granted and allowed to operate by God. And we can get incensed and we can get worked up or, or worried about the abuse of power in our world. And there is, there's a lot of it. Or we can get worked up about this conspiracy or that conspiracy theory and what's happening and how did the coronavirus come about and, and where is it all going to end and who's pulling the strings. And ultimately what we need to know is God is in control. There is nothing that is outside of the will and the control of the Father. And so yet after this conversation that, that Pilate has with Jesus, he says he sought to release him. He, he did not want to have anything to do with this man. In fact, it, it probably we, we know from Matthew's account of this that Pilate's wife had had a dream and, and it, it really shook her, a dream about Jesus. And she had come to Pilate and said, you know, you should have nothing to do with this righteous man. You should release him. You don't want to do this. And it begs the question, why didn't he? Why didn't Pilate actually release him if he wanted to? And we see that it's probably due to pressure from the Jewish leaders. There's thinking that Pilate actually held his position due to family connections. And so he was probably very worried of about holding on to power, the age old thing with man that we want to hold on to power and hold on to control. And so Pilate, as much as he realized that there was something profound about Jesus, he, he caved and wielded to the pressure around him. There was, he didn't want to lose his power, his identity. He didn't, he had, he had fear of loss, fear of man. And it brings to mind again, where Jesus had just said previously before to his disciples that whoever loves his life, ultimately we'll lose it. That if we love our life more than obedience to what God is calling us to, we will suffer loss. And loss that is tragic and loss that ultimately is even eternal. And so Pilate caves and he brings Jesus out. And, but he says as he brings him out before the people and before the Jewish leaders, he says, behold your king. It's, it's like it's an attempt by Pilate to reveal who he actually thought Jesus was, that, that there's something in him that thought, this, this man is, is possibly sent from God. And again, the tragedy of, of God's people in this is that they responded and they said, well, we have no king but Caesar. And it, it brings to mind that in the, the passage in 1 Samuel 8, where God's people, the Israelites, they demand a king like all the other nations around them. And God actually wanted to be their king. He, he was the one who had always walked with them and, and taken care of them. And, and yet they demanded a king and they went to Samuel, the prophet, and said, we, we demand a king. And Samuel was torn by this. And he went to the Lord and the Lord said, Samuel, don't, don't worry. This is not about you. It's my people have rejected me as their king. Do what they ask for. And so there's these threads running through where, once again, the people have the chance to receive Jesus as king, and they refuse. 
It's also interesting to note here, and I'm not going to get too much into this for sake of time, but it said that now it was the day of preparation of the Passover, and this brings to light the whole truth of, of the Passover and what's celebrated is the sacrifice of the lamb, the blood, the door, uh, sorry, the blood on the doorpost that uh, saved God's people in Egypt and, and he delivered his people. And we know that from scripture that Jesus is the true sacrificial lamb, that, that Jesus actually was walking out again, being the sacrifice for God's people. And yet the people tragically, they didn't see it. They missed it. And in fact, instead they crucified, they shouted, crucify him. So I want to, I want to read something from Hebrews 12, just to leave this with, with us. This, I'll leave us with this because there's no better way to end given what Jesus was walking through on, on Good Friday. It says in Hebrews 12 verse 1, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Saints, do not grow weary or faint-hearted, whatever you're facing. Look to Jesus. He is the one, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. May you follow his way today. He is our everything. Be blessed. Thank you.